Ladies and gentlemen, yes, it has been an excruciatingly long summer, but we are back. We are back after the summer break, after quite the silly season, which has not ended. And we are back with another episode of F1 Chart Corner, the podcast where we bring you all things F1. In today's episode, we will be talking about the silliness of the season. We'll be talking about a lot of rickshaw drivers. And we'll be talking about how our summer has been rather eventful, despite not be having any F1 all the, uh, of a month or so. My name is Ansh, and joining me as always is Gotham, who has recently moved to a brand new apartment and is feeling all the feels, like all the new drivers coming into F1. How are we doing, Gotham? How many new drivers are actually coming? I thought it was just one. It feels like many more. It feels like many more. I think there are more drivers going out than coming in. Well, it's like there are new drivers coming to new teams. And that's how it feels like. New apartments is equal to new teams. New drivers coming to new teams. New people coming to new apartments. Are you okay, Ansh? I think I think the summer has <laughs> been very bad for you. Yeah, I can't, man. Let's just start start talking F one, man. I can't. I'm, I've lost my wit over the summer. That's what's happened. Well, what a way to come back, Spa Francorchamps. Great uh, race that was. Sebastian Vettel doing a great job on on um, taking a victory over there. Um, qualified well, finished the race well. No real incidents for him. Ferrari got their strategy also right. And, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I think there were two winners in Spa. One was Sebastian Vettel, and the other was the Halo. <laughs> the Halo, Nico Hulkenberg, man, what was that? He pulled a Roman Grosjean were- over there. Yeah, I mean, no prize for guessing who our auto rickshaw driver of the weekend for Spa was. I'm just going to bring that up right now. There's no, there's no dispute Charles, on that one. Charles Leclerc. Oh, actually, it's been an eventful um, two weeks for the Halo, right? First Spa, uh, Spa at least for the Saubers also. That's true, man. The Halo at the uh, Spa and at Monza. Marcus Ericsson also uh, deciding mm-hmm. to go cartwheeling on, on that uh, beautiful straight at Monza. And uh, Halo saved him in in that free practice session, which is absolutely brilliant. That looked that 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 crash really looked. Horrible. But let's just quickly let's just quickly finish off with Spa because Vettel uh, did Vettel did, we- did uh, draw brilliantly after that initial carnage at turn one after the start, and then the safety mm-hmm. car comes out and uh, I thought he held up uh, Hamilton really well. And, yes. Um, once safety car went in, we saw Hamilton uh, sort of lock up at the bus stop chicane and then he just couldn't really catch Vettel after that. Vettel just had way too much speed. Um, yeah, and I think uh, the one big thing I did want to talk about is that I think he learned from last year where he stayed back um, into Eau Rouge and top of Radion to kind of gain the, the slipstream and get a better uh, kind of um, pass on Hamilton. I think that was, I almost felt like he learned from last year where he couldn't make the move stick. Yeah. And he had the Ferrari power advantage this year to help him do that. So yeah. it was well executed by Bell. He did that well. And then it was also a brilliant drive by Valtteri Bottas right from the end to come up to P4. It was pretty great to watch. That was awesome. That was amazing. Yes. And then, well, Vettel undid all that with uh, whatever happened in Monza at the start. <laughs> uh, yeah. We all thought coming out of Spa that Ferrari had Monza in the bag with that. It certainly seemed like it at the fastest track on the calendar. 
priority with the kind of uh, power levels that they were hitting and plus they got new upgrades as well so that priority was just on another level and yeah. despite and they that, proved that in qualifying despite that mercedes are still eking out these wins at the expense of ferrari and uh, sure it was a bit 50-50 when when uh, the whole touching touching incident happened between hamilton and vettel but i think it was the right decision by the stewards and it was called as a racing incident and then you carry mm-hmm. on but vettel somehow i think if he had just he sh- he saw hamilton was already ahead of him and yeah maybe there wasn't too much room but credit to hamilton also he is very brave going into that uh, going yeah, into that turn shoulders out absolutely elbows out yeah and uh, mm-hmm. vettel unfortunately the rubber the green didn't go his way he ended up facing the back of the pack and then he just had to drive from there was still quite he did quite well to get to p4 recover. to recover yeah. and get to p4 mm-hmm. but but uh, i think this is something that i don't know do you think do you think i think ferrari has the car this year to get a championship but i think this if anything monza raises a lot of questions if they have the driver no this is the thing i think i think mercedes they are a lot more in harmony with each other with everyone in the team you know right from uh, right from the top from toto and and all the strategists and everyone mm. right down to to the people at the factory as well through that entire mm. team they just seem to be in so much unison so much harmony like everyone knows what they have to do and even if they do mess up they seem to learn from it and move on which we're just not yeah. seeing with ferrari ferrari have clearly got a brilliant car but there's something missing over there you know i mean raikkonen he pulls off stunning laps and uh, that, that was brilliant in monza and then he put his car on pole Absolutely. but then uh, ferrari i don't know mercedes you see that they keep trying to bluff ferrari and ferrari keep falling for it they keep falling for mercedes's bluff they fall for it very easily that's the thing i mean um even in even during the even before the whole tactic where they asked Bottas to kind of back up and sandwich Kimi Raikkonen i think the tires were already in bad shape before that because they had to be, react to Hamilton's pit stop and had to put up some really i mean Raikkonen had to put up some really uh, fast laps and that 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 was not happy the tires were not happy with those fast laps at that time and Hamilton always had an edge over him as a result of that so yeah you're absolutely right i think tactically team wise maybe it's communications whatever it is they have a much more cohesive unit going and i don't know maybe that's the championship difference between ferrari and mercedes still seven races to go but i think all these mistakes are going to end up costing ferrari and vettel in particular as well what we're seeing with uh, how ferrari performed in the rain in budapest and then vettel's mistake in hockenheim Hockenheim was really mm-hmm. the turning point for me. Yeah, sure. He he drove well at Spa and he won didn't mm-hmm. change much in terms of the championship. Um mm-hmm. but still there was something and uh, now it's I don't know unless Mercedes really really mess up, I I don't see them losing this championship and Mercedes they're too well drilled, they are too well oiled to to really mess up um, the way Ferrari have been messing up. Oh, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Gotham predicts Mercedes to take the championship. Mercedes championship. Let's see if our prediction comes true. Lewis Hamilton for his fifth world championship. Number five for Lewis Hamilton. But, but, if anything, but if, 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 
but this season mm-hmm. has just been up and down man so yeah you know, i may, i may yeah. end up uh, uh, you know eating my words at the end of the season but <laughs> well as the ferrari fan in me hopes you do but yeah. i think if anything if there's one thing i can agree with you on is the fact that i think lewis hamilton has it in the bag i think that especially over the past uh, past weekend or so where he's got that mental advantage over vettel yeah I think that's where Hamilton comes on his own and he did that last year too in Spa. He has this he can switch on this mental edge and just rise above all and I think that's where he can become a championship driver and that when that happens it's hard to get to him. So you know, let's this see. Is, this, this, this is let's the difference. See. This is the difference. I see you know Lewis Hamilton for all his whatever he says in private and and uh, you know away from the track When it comes mm-hmm. to the team and when it comes to the racing I think Mercedes mm-hmm. always strike a note of positivity of always trying to push on and and do something with what they have you know and this is always trying yes. and uh, I, I don't get the same feeling from Ferrari Yeah I, it almost seems like Mercedes is able to maximize the potential over Ferrari and even though Ferrari have the faster Yeah and power. Hamilton knows it but he's still dealing with it and he still manages to to eke out every single little ounce of performance from that Mercedes and he somehow manages to um to to yeah. win races and even if he's not winning at least uh, stay very close to the leaders you know yeah. at least finish on the podium and i think that's what the i so agree with you i think that's where the difference lies is the fact that hamilton is not getting the same number of opportunities to win or to kind of make a difference yeah but when he does get that opportunity he makes it count whether it's the rain whether it's battle being over aggressive yeah whatever that may be So I think that's and those are those championship makers right there. And I exactly. think Vettel with all his mistakes, I think could be a difference. But like you said, maybe you leech your words, maybe you laugh for once be right in your predictions got them. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh how about let's get into the all our predictions. Yeah. Let's talk about the awards really quick. Uh the driver of the weekend there's uh no prizes for guessing this one goes to Lewis Hamilton I think he uh pulled one out of the bag here where he had no right being on the top of the podium so uh kudos to him uh drove an absolute blinder of a race and Mercedes backed him up also with the strategy absolutely and Valtteri Bottas playing the perfect wingman yet again so yeah that's something that's also quite interesting to see how transparent they are about team orders and i think that's good i think that's also very smart of mercedes i think yeah. ferrari almost lost a trick in the book there where they i mean i'm i'm very happy for kimi raikkonen for getting the pole lap but why was he getting vettel's toe in the final q3 session and that might have just been the difference if you know and then the, i don't think didn't well i don't think that was planned that way but it just so happened Uh, for me the bigger mm-hmm. the bigger worry is how they allowed Raikkonen to get sandwiched between the two Mercedes after that first round of yeah. pit stops and absolutely uh, well they had to be reactive that was the thing they pit too early they on a tire that they were not familiar with yeah. they didn't bring a lot of softs with them so they had no idea of how it was going to perform and then uh when they saw Hamilton kind of catching up they asked him to push and he did but So that left time and I I'm actually actually pretty impressed with Kimi Raikkonen for for nursing that car home without actually getting back to the pits. There was this point I think about uh, two laps before the end 
where we mm-hmm. saw Williams I think it was Sirotkin uh, who sort of unlapped himself by going <laughs> past Raikkonen yes yes that was I, I think I think even Kimi would have had something to say about that it have been yeah, even yeah, more verbose yeah. than usual to see that Williams going past that's him that's true that's true that probably will not have uh, have sunk well with him cool so driver of the weekend goes to Lewis Hamilton but the lap of the weekend does go to Kimi Raikkonen uh, credit where due i think that was a blinder of a lap we all thought that uh it was a Hamilton versus Vettel final Q3 session but out of nowhere out of absolutely nowhere we saw Kimi Raikkonen come up uh, on the top of the standings so uh, awesome awesome lap to get on P1 there uh the iceman has it and best part his lap was registered as the fastest lap in F1 history breaking one Pablo Montoya uh his Monza lap of 2003 that's 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 like 15 years ago so well done Kimi easy he might be old but he does have a little bit of form still left in him and he does also have these tendencies of making pretty cool overtaking maneuvers as well which we saw in the beginning of the race where after the safety car Hamilton was able to get the slipstream and come in front come in front of uh, Raikkonen but Raikkonen got right back at him didn't give up and held his position and took the lead back from him that was an amazing amazing move so overtake of the weekend also goes to Kimi Raikkonen but despite quite the weekend for Kimi Raikkonen let's get into silly season shall we because amongst all the driver changes and we I think we'll talk about each one of them a little bit the big rumor right now is that I think Kimi's on his way out of Ferrari and It's almost ominous that Charles Leclerc is going to be driver number 2 for Ferrari. Well, I say number 2 because, you know, Seb might have a thing or two to say about that, but uh yeah. What are your thoughts on that one? Let's talk about this rumor and then talk about the big moves that have happened over the summer. Well, I do love Kimi, of course. Um can't help but uh, admire the guy and just as a character, he brings so much to Formula 1 without really doing or saying anything. Yeah, but I think Monza's sort of the final nail in the coffin. You have to think so because I think that was the best chance. It's the best chance that he had victory. to take a victory and to sort of show that he's still there thereabouts. I mean there's always mm-hmm. going to be arguments over whether Charles Leclerc is ready or not. But he's put in some stunning drives in a car that's clearly not that great to begin with. It's clearly better than the McLaren's. But uh that's true. But Charles Leclerc is showing incredible maturity and he didn't start the season so well but since then he's really mm-hmm. he's driven a couple of blinders uh during the course of the season so Of course I I do want to see Kimi continue to race but you know how is it good enough that he just finishes third and fourth or fifth at times you know uh, and not really yeah. get those wins yeah. and help Ferrari with the constructors Right now it seems like Vettel has a lot of the workload and Kimi Kimi well there's a pretty stat that uh, I think it's only well clearly in Monza he couldn't do it he couldn't go up one place since he was already on pole but right it's been almost well it, it's been almost for 4 5 years since Kimi has actually made a made up a place at the start of a grand prix He's either really he's always either been in the same position or he's dropped down and this is something that we spoke about before the summer break as well. So 
Yeah. I don't know. That yeah. it's, and he he does really good think, laps in qualifying as well. I mean, you see this consistently. He's really quick in practice and qualifying Q1 and Q2. He's brilliant. But come brilliant. Q3, there's Even, always this one mistake that comes and he's just not able to sort of clinch it. He did that perfectly in Monza, but then he couldn't carry that into the race. And of course, a lot of the blame has to go to the um, strategy team as well in Ferrari for, for really getting his strategy wrong, I think. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> um, no, I agree with you, man. I think it's time for change. I think it's um, it's time to get a fresh racer into Ferrari. And, uh, and also, I think what that does is maybe it'll further ease up the load on Sebastian Vettel and make Vettel a better driver because maybe all that pressure of him being driver number one for Ferrari and he, him being the championship contender is something that might be, you know, uh, kind of making Vettel make all these mistakes. I'm not coming up with excuses oh, I don't think for him. So. But I don't think so. Vettel's a four-time but, world champion, man. And he's had some really tight, se- tight, tight seasons in the past. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it might benefit uh Vettel further and his driving further if you have like a youngster like Charles Leclerc with all the potential to kind of start proving himself in a Ferrari. Um, who knows? Who no, no, knows? Maybe. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, we're predicting Charles Leclerc to Ferrari coming up soon then. Let's have a quick word about Fernando but, Alonso. Let's see. Yeah, I was good. Literally, yeah, man, you read my mind. You read my mind. Let's talk about. I know you've been dying to talk the about driver this. announcements. Let's talk about all the driver announcements over the summer, starting with the big one, which is Fernando Alonso announcing his retirement from Formula One at the end of this season. And I don't know, man. I um, I think he's three seasons too late. But what are your thoughts? Kevin Magnussen can't wait for him to retire, apparently. Oh yes, that was some choice. Those are some choice words. They almost. I think. I think. I think. Once. Once we get into the auto rickshaw driver weekend, it'll be. A, it'll be a close. Uh, close battle between two incidents. One of them we just mentioned. So let's see. I mean, it is sad. It um, is sad my, to see. It is sad to see Alonso, two-time world champion, literally, you know, fighting uh, right at the back of the grid. It's, uh, it's it's really disheartening to see that, and for Alonso, for his yeah, fans, for McLaren as well. Guy definitely deserves better, but of course he's made some questionable calls in the past. Decisions. But uh, and what's uh, yeah? I think my thoughts are: look, I love Alonso. He's uh, he's one champion racer who's who's, who's always going to go down as one of one of the best ever. But. Um, but I think, yeah, you're right. I think McLaren didn't do him any favors and Ferrari towards the end of his stint with them didn't do him much uh, of favors either. So I think this is the right time for him to quit. I think he still quits on a high because he's still a solid driver and he has clearly indicated that he wants to achieve bigger things in motorsport, yeah. which is the, the triple crown. So well, he's got the Indy left. All yeah. the best to him. Yeah, and then there's rumors that uh, who knows he might come back. So if if there's an opportunity on a championship team, maybe maybe we haven't actually seen the last of Fernando in F1. But only time will tell. Having said that, Daniel Ricciardo onto Renault. How's that for a risky move? That was well. This this was the announcement that took me completely by surprise. I I 
oh, didn't yeah. expect this. I agree with you. Um, I mean, we were seeing that Mercedes and Ferrari probably were quite difficult to to for Daniel. Uh, and so mm. I thought he's going to stay at Red Bull, given that Red Bull are switching to the Honda power units, and that he will probably stay because it's still a good car. But uh, clearly, it's not working out for him at Red Bull, and so he's choosing to go to Renault. Mind you, the Renault engines on the Renault are actually performing way better than the Renault engines on the McLaren and on the Red Bull. Of course, it's yeah. not the same. It's yeah. not the same engines that um, that are on those cars. But uh, it could be. Renault seems to be growing, and uh, clearly they've given him a very impressive pitch. And uh, Daniel's decided that that's um, where he can go if he wants to challenge. And Renault, they are of course title winners from the past, so there's every possibility yep. that they would get it right. But Daniel seems to be playing the long game. Give it about mm-hmm. two years, and then the new engine regulations, and then you never know what happens. Well, I think it's a smart move from that perspective, and it reminds me of Lewis Hamilton's move to Mercedes uh, in 2013, which was which was kind of similar in that Mercedes were nowhere near near a championship contender team. But how that changed the moment the rule changes came about. So if he sees potential in Renault yeah. over the next two years, if not a championship, I don't think he's definitely getting a championship next year unless something massive happens over the season break. Um, he can see potential and either stick with them or make another move in 2021. So I think it's a smart move, very, very smart move to get out of Red Bull, who are backing Max Verstappen anyways. Yeah. But now there's Pierre Gasly, who's going to join Red Bull. This will be interesting to see how, how, how Red Bull handle this with two young kids in their cars. There's a lot of yes. Max Verstappen. I mean, we saw what he did in Monza. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Back to his rickshaw driving ways again, but uh, I can't believe I'm saying that. It's, uh, that that was a classic Max moment, as if he's been in F1 and making those moments. But yeah, that was a classic Max moment right there. So we see it because we see that Gasly is not someone who's just going to back away from a fight. So it'd be really interesting to see how that dynamic develops. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And Gasly is not. He's he's a, he's an aggressive racer. He yeah. is. If you were to just look at driving styles, I think he's very much like Max. I just haven't seen much of it in Toro Rosso. I think the bigger... So it'll be interesting how the two uh, I, how the two perform with Red Bull. I think more than on track, I think it's about how Gasly handles the Red Bull pressure off track. You know, how does he deal with a guy Fair like uh, Helmut Marko? How does he get Helmut Marko onto his side? I mean, yeah, sure. Helmut Marko is the guy who made the call and told him that the Red Bull seat is his. But that's one thing, and then to get him to to agree with you on big calls, on big decisions, that's another thing. And uh, Max Verstappen is right now the blue-eyed boy of Red Bull, so how does Pierre Gasly mm-hmm. sort of change that? That's, that's going to be interesting to see how that happens. Good one. But uh, someone, I think it was Autosport, that came up with a very interesting point here, that Pierre Gasly has had a bit of a you know, low-key relationship with Honda. For a long time now, oh, I see. Uh, starting from his uh, F2 uh, and junior days, so this is something that everyone's speculating could make an interesting impact on his Red Bull seat as well, with Honda becoming the engine supplier. So, um, yeah, it kind of, kind of, it's it's like where Honda goes, Pierre Gasly goes. It looks it looks like right now. So that'll be an interesting uh, dynamic to look at in future as well. 
And uh, as a result of the Ricardo move, we also ha- now see Carlos Sainz becoming an, uh, uh, McLaren's driver for 2019. Along with Lando Norris. Along with Lando Norris. Breaking news! We just found out that it's going to be Lando Norris to partner with him. Two completely new drivers at uh, McLaren. Wow. Well, and uh, Stoffel Van Dorn was sort of uh, marketed as the next Lewis Hamilton. That didn't really work out. But uh, let's see. Lando Norris also comes with a lot of good things being said about him. So let's see how he fares. For me, the most disappointing. For me, one of the most disappointing pieces of news from uh, from from this whole uh, driver movement. Uh, period that we've seen is that Esteban Ocon might not have a drive for next year and that for me is a big big tragedy unqualifying for Spa Absolutely brilliant. And so to see him not have a drive, that would be really, really harsh, even by F1 standards. And he almost took the lead. That would be very, very harsh on, on F1's part if uh, Ocon did not have a drive next season. Yeah. I think that's imminent. That would be disheartening, especially, and 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 the, you know, the, if, if once poetic. I mean, all these talks were happening while well, he secured P three uh, at Spa, which is incredible. Yeah. And he almost took the lead. And he almost took the lead in Spa too. <laughs> yeah. I felt similarly when Pascal Wallain found himself to be seatless last year. I hope I hope Esteban Ocon finds a way into the grid somehow next year, but let's see. A lot can change, a lot can happen. So it does help if you're the big boss's son. Yeah, a little bit, huh? <laughs> Yeah, it does help. Uh, who recently just scored a championship point in Monza too? So I don't know. Williams, Williams doing better finally. Something positive from the Williams. Well, that's more. We haven't seen much of that. That's more we? to do with uh, Max's rickshaw moment than anything else. Oh no! Sorry, I beg your pardon. That's for. Oh, that's well, actually, that's actually it, for Roman Grosjean. <laughs> I was just gonna say, <laughs> Sergei Sorokin first championship points because Haas got disqualified. Well, Roman Grosjean's car got disqualified for an alleged illegal floor. Apparently they put an illegal floor on. I mean, Roman cannot catch a break, no, can he? He's, he's driving really well, by the way. He's in some serious form. He's going to the right therapy therapist. But let's see. Let's see. Williams is doing well and um, there's a lot coming, man. There's a seven races left for the season, but I think there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be unearthed over the next few weekends so uh, onwards to Singapore but before we move on to Singapore we want to talk a little bit about the auto rickshaw driver of the weekend oh, you know we do. who oh hell yeah we do 
Max Verstappen. No surprises there. Back to his characteristic, back to his characteristic ways. Well, like I kind of, I kind of gave it away back there, but uh, yeah. You yeah. did. I, like we all gave it away yeah. like five yeah. times, yeah. but we couldn't stop no. talking about it. <laughs> it well, it's uh, it had to be Max Verstappen. I mean, first of all, let's just talk about the move. I think the one cardinal racing rule that you learn in karting is you have to leave gap on the outside. If a driver is come making a move on the outside, you have to leave a rule. You have to leave a gap, and that's the one cardinal rule he just completely broke by just squeezing Valtteri Bottas at the end of the straight, hitting him, and this is where the rickshaw moment actually starts. Everyone saw that on TV and were like, "Oh boy." Penalty is coming. There's a penalty coming. Everyone except him. He gets a five-second penalty, and he goes on the radio and is furious. He's absolutely livid and just cannot believe the fact that the FIA or Charlie Whiting in this case is killing racing. That's what he said. They're killing racing by doing this. Wow. wow that's way to get philosophical on this, Max. Ridiculous. <laughs> that was very rickshaw. Very rickshaw of him and. It just showed that there is quite a bit of maturity, um, or growth, or potential for maturity to be seen from uh, Max Verstappen. So the auto rickshaw driver of the weekend goes to Max Verstappen of Red Bull, and that kind uh, of almost sums it up. Let's just go onwards to Singapore. Traditionally, a very strong track for Ferrari. Last year, Singapore became the championship-defining race with where Ferrari stuck themselves out along with Max Verstappen. Hamilton won that race. Do you think luck is going to favor Lewis Hamilton or do you think Ferrari might just come back and keep the championship uh, hopes alive? Well, it's about Ferrari. And maybe Red Bull. Or maybe Red Bull have a thing or two to say on a high downforce track like Singapore. Well, look, it's Singapore, right? We've had a safety car in every single race so far in the Singapore Grand Prix. Yeah. And so you have to expect that there's going to be a safety car again. And so now, if and when the safe, well, not if, but when the safety car comes out, Ferrari have to be ready mm. with their strategy calls. They have to be ready. Of course, it's it's hard to really predict at what point uh, of the race that this will happen and where the drivers are on the track. That's impossible, of course. But Ferrari still have to have their strategies ready for the safety car and. Uh, Absolutely, you have enough data, enough safety car data from Singapore to plan this one out. And then, Come on, don't miss, don't, don't mess this one up. And they need <laughs> to stop getting bluffed by by Mercedes. They just need to stop this. They need to get their own strategy calls and stop Seriously. trying to react to what Mercedes do. And rather than that, they start dictating the strategy and they start making Mercedes and Red Bull and everyone else react to them. I cannot agree more. And I think that's where the race because they have the cars, they have the drivers. So it's all down to the strategy and the pit stops. And if I get that right, then it should be a a good weekend for them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we look forward to it. It's in two weeks time. And I I always always love night races and I always love the Singapore track. It's beautiful and quite 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 a visual and a stunning sight. So yeah, I think that covers it up. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Oh, quick note: fantasy. So we had two races, uh, no changes. Murky Merck still in the lead, and uh, well into the lead. So if someone can come up with ideas to beat that guy, Senna, uh, that'd be great. But if not, then um, we'll keep trying. But until the next couple of weeks, 
it's uh take care have a lovely lovely week